I'm Mary Grothy, CEO of Sales BQ. Thanks for joining in on this episode of the Quota Crusher podcast. As all of our fans and listeners know, you can watch this via video on our YouTube channel, or you can listen to us on your favorite podcast channel via audio. And for those of you watching the video, you get to see my beautiful mother-in-law's basement today. She's got some stunning artwork behind me. Not quite sure where that is from. Unfortunately, those of us that have young children, I had a decision to make. Today, we're recording on a holiday, and I have a three-and-a-half-year-old at home, and the choice was to be distracted there and have him on the show today or to record in Gigi's basement and that's where I am. And I'm very pleased that on this President's Day, I can welcome a keynote speaker and I believe the founder of the Sales Enablement Society. Do I have that right? Give me a head nod. One of the founders, absolutely. One. One of the founders of the Sales Enablement Society. This is Roderick Jefferson, and he is going to bring us a wealth of knowledge today. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, great artwork, by the way. <laughs> I'll let her know as soon as I'm done recording in her basement awkwardly. <laughs> the things we do to have whatever they call that work-life balance, right? As though that really exists. Sure. I'm just going <laughs> to nod my head and say, yep, sure thing. All right. So on that note, I'm familiar with you and your work. I absolutely love what you're contributing to our sales community. It's so powerful. I love that you're very pointed on the sales enablement part of the conversation because I think that that's part of the conversation that a lot of people don't talk about. It's mostly about sales effectiveness and training and, and execution. So I want the listeners to hear your story. I want to hear about what brought you to this point in your career where you are this guru and ninja and such a blessing to our sales community. So tell Thank the listeners you. all about you. Well, I'm a salesperson first and foremost. I started out as a BDR years ago and um, Moved from there into an AE role, was incredibly blessed to make it to President's Club a couple of times. And then I realized that I really enjoyed the process of selling more than taking down big deals. So instead of moving into a sales leadership role, I actually went to my RVP at the time and I said, hey, what if I could teach the rest of the folks all the skills that I had, which were essentially some tools and templates that were really basic, but they made a lot of sense at the time. And he said, then you'd have a new job. So I said, all right, let's go do it. Don't know what to call it, but here's what we'll do. So it turned into sales training at the time. And from there, I moved from sales training into sales enablement. So over the last 20 plus years, I have been fortunate to either grassroots and start sales enablement at Siebel Systems, Network Appliance, Business Objects, eBay, HP, Oracle, and Salesforce. So it's been a pretty decent run so far. Um, those are some huge name companies. That's kind of out of this world. Hats off to you. Thank you. I'm hoping they show up big one day. Got a little stock over there. Ooh, that's very exciting. You, you've got a couple of kids, so that's going to help with all those future expenses, college, grandkids, you name it. They move out of the house. <laughs> they still cost you a lot of money. I'm on the other end of that. My kid's three. I don't know. He spends a lot of my money on trains. He's into trades. Regardless, it sounds like you've done something pretty phenomenal in your career. You also have a huge presence on LinkedIn. And I've been able to witness what you're putting forth as far as content. And I love that what you're posting out is very thought provoking, but it's simple. It, people are able to follow that. So here's a plug real quick. Go follow this guy on LinkedIn because the content is great to digest. And I think it's very powerful. Now you took a, a path directly in sales enablement and 
I would love for you to, to define it in your terms because I have had this conversation with so many CEOs, sales leaders to define sales enablement. And the definition can be different depending on who you ask. So I want to hear your definition of sales enablement. Well, sales enablement's a funny thing because it is still growing from its infant stage. There are tons of people that will tell you different things. I firmly believe if you ask 10 people the same question around sales enablement, you'll probably get 12 different answers. So I like to standardize it in a really simple explanation. It's about breaking the complexity into practical that will lead to eight teams in the right conversation, the right way, with the right tools, with the right people. And I think there are really three components to sales enablement. And those components are communication, that's on the front end, understanding the onboarding and getting all of that piece stable and consistent and in place. Second is collaboration. And that comes from including folks from the legacy sellers that have been around well beyond the onboarding stage, but taking that tribal knowledge and not only sharing it with the new hires, also harnessing it into one as salespeople do, you don't lose that tribal knowledge. And the third piece is orchestration. And that's the fun part. It's really about making sure that all of the various lines of business are on the same page. And I give it, <clears throat> excuse me, in a musical metaphor. And that is, think about an orchestra. You've got a lot of different instruments playing different notes and music, and it becomes noise after a while. Until one person stands up, taps the stand, and that's the conductor, taps that stand and says, okay, let's start and it turns into a beautiful piece of music. We are that conductor. Oh, I love the visual. I sat through a keynote with a man named Brett, and he, I don't remember his last name, but he is the Colorado Symphony conductor. And he did a keynote mm -hmm. at a leadership conference recently, uh, two years ago that I attended. And to what you just said, he made that visual come to life. And he used that metaphor discussing really any team or any coordination of efforts in a company. That you have your line for the trumpet and the percussion and the air instruments and every other, whatever you have, your brass section. And if, if you have everybody just playing mm -hmm. on their own, it could be the same sheet music, but if they're not playing oh, at the same <clears throat> time, it's a no, hot it's mess. Noise. It gets really noisy. It does. It does. So I love your definition and that really clarifies it. <laughs> Something that is standing out to me is the tribal knowledge and not losing that. I think a lot of companies rely on great talent and the great talent does well, but when that talent leaves, the knowledge goes with them and the how-to goes with them. So what are some of the things that you're bringing forth in organizations, one, to get the set standard process, to be the conductor, to get the music flowing all at one time, and then also to retain that tribal knowledge so it's not going out the door when that person leaves? Well, I think there are what I, what I call the five Ps, right? And there's the purpose, the people, the programs, the performance, and then there's the platforms to help with all that. And it all starts with people. We all talk about the ICP, right? Our ideal customer profile. Well, let's flip that on its ear for companies, especially that are in the hyper growth space, are they going through some significant change? 
And let's talk about the IEP, and that's the ideal employee profile. Because as we know, as companies grow, that changes. The type of seller you brought in before, you may be a, able to bring in a BDR and SDR team, right? Because it's high velocity volume and there's churn going on all the time in those sales. What happens when you grow into a large enterprise sale now? You can't have that same type of individual that comes in that does those, right? So starting with the right folks and then defining what's the culture, understanding the company's charter, and more importantly, what does success look like with those people, right? And then what's the right structure? What talent do you need? We all know compensation drives behavior. What's compensation look like? And then ultimately, how do you create more leaders as these people go through succession planning? Then there's the programs. And it starts with onboarding. How are we going to tie the sales onboarding with the company onboarding to make sure that they feel like a single continuous flow? Then you've got to look at this as global initiatives. What happens when the competitive landscape changes? Because as we know, mergers and acquisitions are happening every day. So those are completely shifting the landscape of go-to-market strategies. And then how do you truly get domain expertise and hold on to that from those legacy sellers as they leave? The way to do it is around the fourth P, and that's performance. You've got to make sure you've got the right communications, that you're sharing the information, that you have coaches, not just sales managers. The problem is we find a rock star salesperson, we promote them to sales manager, but we never actually teach them how to coach or lead. And so it's important that they understand, because as we both know, what's important to my manager or leader is imperative to me. Then you've got to have the right tools. You know, there are a ton of them out there, things like Gong and Showpad and others that can really harness that knowledge, hold on to it, keep it in the right lo single location because we're sales folks, we're not gonna go to 14 different platforms. So keep it in a single location, make sure that it stays current and then be able to disseminate it by role because what's too technical for one is not technical enough for other. And then it's the overall platform that you build. That, that's your content management, that's your learning management, that's your coaching, that's your continuing education pieces, that's your certifications and accreditations. How are you keeping all of that up to date in a single platform? And then how do you automate that so it doesn't take so much human touch? And finally, what are the metrics that are going to be around that that are no longer NPS scores and butts and seats? That's the old days of training. In enablement, we really want to talk about revenue generating revenue, excuse me, metrics that will do one of two things. Decrease time to revenue or increase productivity. Anything beyond that, you've wasted time. Woo! I feel like you may have said this once or twice before. <laughs> Maybe. Or lived it for the last 20 years. Or a combination of the two. Yes. What a beautiful way to break that apart with the five P's. Five, right? Thank you. Okay. Beautiful way to break that apart with the five P's. It's really easy to understand. There's a component. There's actually two things that I wanted to expand on a little bit based on what you said. One is the need for training sales management. Talk to me about how you're getting, I'm pausing because I have an unstable internet connection. Talk to me about, 
Okay. Talk to me about how you're getting your executives that you work with, the executives and leaders of the organizations that you're doing work for. How do you get them excited about investing in the sales management team? Because I have found, I have found that that's typically not where CEOs or executives are inclined to making the investment. They always want to invest in sales training, sales people, but what about sales managers? Well, uh, there, there are two ways. One is we always start with the sales leaders, right? And, and that is, did I lose you? I'm here. I'm just taking my video off so that we can open up some bandwidth okay. and I'll put it back on when I talk. But yeah, go ahead and walk us through. No worries. So it starts with understanding the value and the role of sales leaders. In some organizations, they are just there to make sure they're pushing and driving quotes. In other more advanced organizations, they are responsible for the adoption and the execution of the plans and the programs and all the other P's that I talked to you about inside of their organization. Now, sales enablement will own the process, but if they don't drive and own the adoption and execution, it dies on the vine. So the way that we go about it is we ask, <laughs> we start with a gap analysis. And the great thing about that is we're an outside source. We don't have a horse in the race. We just want to understand where are the strengths and where are the soft spots inside an organization. And I always start with one single answer, excuse me, one single question. And that question is, where does your offering fit into your buyer's journey? Because now they're going to they're gonna want to talk about their sales process, their sales methodology, maybe even their op opportunity planning and review, and in some cases, even the forecasting and deal desk. My statement to them is, if you don't focus on your buyer's journey, you won't get new buyers. So you need to understand all of those components, but let's look at them with a different set of lenses. How do you fit into your buyer's journey? Do you know them or do you really know them? Oh, that makes me laugh. It's so true. It's so true. Even within one organization, their ICP, sometimes they have one or two. You should have an ICP for every single unique buyer that you serve and putting them more so in buckets. And it's so interesting to see what happens when you further dissect who you're selling to and getting it more specific into those individual types of buyers. We've helped organizations take one or two ICPs and break them down via, via market segmentation, by industry, by title, by role. So one of our clients sells in the uh, payroll and HR space. And they have five key industries that they sell to. Well, they also have three different market segments that they sell to startups and companies that are more owner only. Mm -hmm. Then you have the small business segment, maybe up to 50 employees. Then you've got that mid market of 50 to 500 employees. Well, they all buy differently because they all interpret the need for a payroll and HR software and service differently. Additionally, Absolutely. You have a business owner who buys differently than an office manager or a controller or a VP of HR or a CFO or a COO or a department head or fill in the blank. All of those people buy differently. Also, you can dissect it even further going into personality styles. We're huge fans yes. of DISC. If you've got a D or a DI versus a DC, they buy completely different. The way that you need to build the relationship, the way that you need to speak their language. But if you take the components of a personality with their title, with the size of company, with the industry, you layer on all these specifications, they buy differently 
yet we don't, as salespeople, often customize our approach to be able to sell to them. And we lose deals because of it. And so what you just said is so powerful that the organization takes the time to understand the buying journey of that ideal client. And to be okay with the fact that you may have to build multiples of these. One of our clients, we built 30 of them and trained the team to know based on those metrics that I gave you or the, the key indicators of their personality, their title, the size of company and industry is looking at how that person is most likely going to buy. Additionally, we layered on one more factor. Is it inbound or outbound leads? Because oh, the conversation- it all, it all comes into play. Right? It all and, and that's why I always say it all begins and it ends with the buyer's journey. But if, because if you can't define where you fit into the buyer's journey, guess what? You don't fit in. And sometimes that's okay. Because, you know, it tells we've got to realize we're always trying to close that deal and we're always trying to call in. Sometimes the best thing you can do is call out because it may not be a fit at this point. It may be later. It may not ever be. And that's okay because not every company needs everything that a company sells. No, they don't. And I think that you're in a better position to qualify that deal out of the pipeline and do it with professionalism and integrity because it's a mismatch. Because one day there may be a trigger event that causes that buyer who once was not a fit to now be a fit. Mm -hmm. And if you do your job and disqualify appropriately and professionally with leaving that right tone with the buyer to understand why they're not a fit today and what would need to happen in their business or with their situation or maturity of the business or stage or something, whatever, fill in the blank to position them to say, today, after our initial conversation, I haven't heard enough to justify making the investment to go onto our enterprise platform. And here are the reasons why. Typically, those that are willing to invest and spend upwards of $50,000 a year are fill in the blank. Without that, I'm worried that this is going to be too big of a spend. And within the first month, you may regret it looking for that rate of return that you're just not going to get yet because of the stage of the business you're in. Now, we're very interested in working with you. And I believe that down the road, this could be a fit. But as of today, I'm a little apprehensive. And if you can, as a salesperson, professionally position it and then nurture it and stay in touch with them, if it's truly just a not now, sometimes it's a never. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I, I love okay. always handle professionalism because you never know, especially in today's market, they may grow into your ICP faster than you even thought that they would or they thought that they would. And what they'll remember is how you treated them. As I was saying with the five Ps, it comes back to people, right? And that's the great thing about Sales Enable. Certainly, we own metrics and programs and processes and platforms, but ultimately, we're in the people business. Our job is to make the people around us bigger, faster, and stronger, thus then enhancing the company. So if we can do that, then that's a great thing. Think about it from a personal perspective. You go out to eat. The food may not be great. It may be okay, but you got phenomenal service from your waiter, right? Or the waitress. What do you remember? How they made you feel. I have gone back to places and given them a second opportunity with food. That was just okay, just because of phenomenal customer experience from the person that was serving us. The same thing happens in business. People remember how you made them feel, right? And that takes me to, to our point that we were just discussing earlier. And that is, as sales folks, if you can step back when you're talking to your prospects or you're talking to your existing customers, and I do this myself as a CEO, when I leave a meeting, I want them to 
walk away with three pieces of understanding. One, I want to walk away with understanding what they think, how they feel, and what they're going to do next. If you can do those three things and you can do it with professionalism and decorum, you may not close the sale today, but you're a lot closer to closing it in the future than you would be without that. I love that because if you look at our website, we have the BQ wheel and BQ is the behavioral quotient and it aligns 100% with what you just said. So there's a seller's BQ and then there's buyer BQ and how you think fuels how you feel and how you feel triggers your actions and that results in the performance, whether that's a buying decision or not and looking at the buyer's side. Everybody thinks differently. We just talked about this. How do you align through that ICP? when you can get in the conversation of how they think and you're looking at the logic behind how they're going to make this decision, they're not going to make the decision logically. They're going to make it emotionally. Mm -hmm. So you have to be able to translate how they're thinking and through great discovery and asking big, bold, open-ended questions that help them get to the point where they're acknowledging the pains and problems, what they're costing them, why they're so undesirable at this moment in time, you start triggering emotions. Absolutely. And you know what? People are emotional buyers. Right. And, and I tell my team all the time and I, when I'm talking to sales folks and, and even when I'm out giving keynotes, it comes down to a simple thing. Stop giving presentations and start having conversations. No one wants to be talked at. So why would you do that to a prospect? Listen. And enablement is really about getting to asking the right questions, not providing the wrong answers. And the wrong answers are only given when you're trying to sell. And I know it's funny because we're all in sales in some form, right? But the best selling I've ever seen is from people that don't sell. They just have conversations. Uh, yes, my husband, bless his heart, he's an outside field technician for our phone company out here called CenturyLink. And he's incredible. He's done this role now for almost 20 years. And he is a sales, or excuse me, he's a field technician. So he's actually doing hookups and repairs and installs and some days climbing telephone poles or digging ditches. The guy's amazing, but he's one of the highest producing quote unquote salespeople <laughs> because he hmm. can upsell and solicit referrals all day long, but he's never quote unquote sold anything in his life, right? He's just great at solving people's problems and having conversations, but he would never look at himself as a sales guy. He doesn't have a sales quota. It's not his job, but he's supposed to take care of the customer. And as a result of that, because all he does is solve their problems all day long, he's producing more revenue than some of the sales well, Isn't that what sales is about, right? Listening, bringing a solution, and then being able to give in a human manner, the next steps of moving towards taking away that pain. I, I always akin sales to a dentist, right? If you go into a dentist and you stay up on your cleanings and those things that you know we all need to do, then it's a lot easier later and you won't have as many Novocaine shots. But there are some times, even when we all do the right things, it still requires some type of shot and, and deeper work. It's the same thing in sales. If you ask the right questions, you make sure they're open-ended, you do it in a conversational style, doesn't mean you're gonna have 100% close rate. No one has 100% close rate. But what it does mean is that person now sees you as a human because you treated them as a human. 
and they're more likely to move forward. And if not, there's always the potential of the reference and referral. It may not work for them, but guess what? I know so-and-so, or I was talking to so-and-so, and this sounds like exactly what they need. Would you be open to a referral and reference? And who's going to say no to that? Oof, I love where you took that. The most <laughs> forgotten thing to do in sales is the referral and reference, 100%. Well, let's do this. I'm going to start winding us down. What is a way that a sales leader or executive could do a health check on their organization, their sales org, to determine how they're rating right now in terms of sales enablement? What's an easy to follow process that they could get a really great health check on where they stand today and what their room for improvement might be? Well, start with an outside source with, with a set of lenses, like a consultant, like our group, that will come in and talk not only to the salesperson and the sales leader, but will talk across the lines of business. We want to talk to HR. We want to talk to um, ops. We want to talk to product marketing, product management, because we want to understand how they're collaborating or if they are siloed. And then it gives us an opportunity to share some of the best practices as well that we see across multiple spaces. So don't just depend on your previous experience or your cur current experience and knowledge. Have someone come in and talk to you that, again, doesn't have a horse in the race, only wants to see you successful. And then, and this is the important part, be open to change because doing things the same way will not give you a different result. And that's the thing we have to stress over and over. We're not coming here to change what you're doing. We're coming here to change how you're going about doing things. And if you can take that and move forward with it and also get folks that have experience of doing this. The great thing about our firm is we work horizontally, not just in tech. We're playing in med tech. We're playing in manufacturing, financial services, et cetera. What does that mean? That means you get the best practices from all of those and to be able to bring them into your space and then align them to, again, that pain where either I can give you an aspirin or I can give you a shot. It just depends on how strong that pain is at the time. That's brilliant. I love it. And that's great advice. We always recommend having a third party set of eyes on the situation. Otherwise, they're just too close to it. And it takes an expert to really pull out where the gap is and where they need to focus in order to get that improvement. So let's do this. Why don't you tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you, places to connect or ways to contact you directly? So we are all over social media, as you know. You can find us on LinkedIn, Roderick Jefferson Dash Associates, on Twitter at The Voice of Rod, also Facebook at The Voice of Rod. You can find us on the net at RoderickJefferson.com, or you can find us also on Insta. So if you can't find us, you're not trying to. <laughs> that's brilliant. I love it. And I think we even got connected through Instagram, and that's super Absolutely. exciting. Hey, Absolutely. it's a new business platform. If you're not there uh, for your business, you should be. All right. Well, I am super appreciative of you being along for the ride today. And I love the insights. I love just the breakdown of the definition of sales enablement and the five P's and that process that you took us through so that leaders can have a gut check on where they stand today in their own organization. This has been incredibly powerful and helpful. I'm honored that you were here. And with that, I'm going to wrap up today's episode of the Quota Crusher podcast. Roderick, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much.